Welcome to Made in the 80s podcast about the 80s by people who are made in the 80s. I'm Shalia and we have Tim. Hi, it's Kendon. It is Kendon and Tim and Shalia, Made in the 80s. I'm glad to be back. Are you guys glad to be back? Glad yeah. To be back. I, I just want to mention when I'm looking out our back window here and it's so sunny. I know the sun is up. I'm in my romper. <laughs> <laughs> It's sunny. It is sunny. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, it's reflecting off of these perfectly green leaves on the tree behind us. Yeah. Our, um, Asia, is it plum? I thought it was it, pear. No. It, it is plums. It's plums. It's green plums. Green our plums. green plum tree uh, went through its blossoms and now it's got leaves. We're going to get some Soon we're going to come home and my dad's going to be randomly in the backyard <laughs> picking plums. Yeah. Tim, let us know if you want any plums. We'll, we'll save them. Yeah. I will. <laughs> But yeah, no, I was like, I'm not going outside today, but I'm still going to dress for the weather because, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of you got to do what you got to do, uh, we got to watch FX this week um, in in honor of the late Brian Dennehy, who mm-hmm. doesn't show up in the movie for quite some time. I, uh, I, I asked Kendon and Carme if we were watching the right movie because <laughs> he wasn't. He kept not appearing, but that's okay. He does. He does appear. We watched yeah. the correct one, and we're going to talk about it in a little bit. Um, oh, but first, he's from First Blood. Yeah, he's in First Blood. He drew First Blood. Mm-hmm. Did he though? I'm still out for debate on that one. Um, so we're going to talk about that in a little while. I'll put the timestamp in the show notes if anyone wants to just jump to it. Um, and let's go back to the '80s. So we switched our game up last week. Um, so now we're all just playing together and we're, we're rolling basically the die in order to see what color question we're asking. So Kenan, why don't you roll? Keep rolling, 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 rolling. What? That's a five. He got five. I like that Tim wasn't too uh, offended by our Limp Biscuit singing. No, no. That whole hip hop remix. You remember that? Yeah. With uh, Redman, Method Man, DMX. Yeah. A lot of, yeah, that was dope. All right, so we got blue. The question is, what is the name of the fourth Ghostbuster who joins the team after answering a help wanted ad? Oh, Winston's Deadmore? Yeah. What's his last name? Zedmore. Zedmore. Played by Ernie Hudson. Okay, that was too easy. That was was way too easy. Eddie Murphy was supposed to play him. But wasn't he supposed to be someone else, not Stedmore? one of the other Ghostbusters. I think I heard the rumor. Oh, I don't know. The story was, was, was that Eddie Murphy was going to be like a military engineer or something. Okay, there you go. Military engineer. So he would have had more qualifications or something like that, like technical expertise. to add And to probably him. a bigger role in the film. Or the biggest? <laughs> At the time, wasn't Eddie Murphy just like on top of the world? What year was Ghostbusters? 86? The card does not say. Yeah, he would have been a star. He would have been a star. I don't know why he turned it down. That's interesting. It's it's almost a Will Smith Matrix thing. It's hard to explain to people. So so Ghostbusters would have came out around the time of Forty Eight Hours, Trading Places, and Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, I think it's also, and I'm starting to get a, a better sense of this from listening to a lot of podcasts or things with actors and stuff. The the script, you can't tell how great a script is sometimes just by sitting and reading it, right? Wait, yeah, did you tell a story about this recently? Did I? 
I'm not sure. I guess our conversations might be uh, bleeding into all the podcasts I listen to. But yeah, it's like like people whose agents will send them something and you'll read it and you'll be like, this doesn't make any sense. The Matrix apparently was not Matrix is it, yeah. It was the Matrix. hard. Go ahead. Yeah. It was a Matrix. So can you guys remind me, which movie was it that Bill Murray like totally would have been interested in doing, but was just didn't answer the phone and didn't ever hear about it? Do you guys remember that? There was one that they wanted Bill Murray for, and he, they couldn't get a hold of him because he would just kind of like disappear for times. And um, Was it The Matrix? <laughs> I don't think it was The Matrix, but it's something. And he was like, man, I wish I had, I had known. I totally would have been in that. Okay. Well, that was a fun fact. I forget which movie it was. All right. Well, he was great in Zombieland. He was great in Zombieland. Um, are we are we good? Are we ready to go back to the twenties, back to the future, to the twenty twenties, twenty 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 twin? And Tim is a twin. <laughs> Did you guys sing that on your birthday? Did you call your sister and uh, guys sing that and like make that your thing? Twenty twin twins. No. Just so you're not alone, I'm gonna no. laugh with you too. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, we should have that was a missed opportunity did you have a good birthday by the way i did it was really relaxed i didn't do much obviously you had a meeting i think you said the other critics yeah, from the area association meeting yeah we had our our critics association meeting on zoom that was good it was good to see everyone i hadn't seen really haven't seen each other in like months mm-hmm. since since i don't know bloodshot screening <laughs> so um without out like making fun of anybody in particular um if for a group like that that you see so often that you haven't seen in so long any uh shocking uh appearances nah it was just no? good to see. everybody was yeah. everybody was looking normal it was yeah it was just good to see people i wouldn't even really focus on that it was really just good to see faces and hear familiar voices and have some of that same sort of banter you forget how much it's a part of your life and you miss it when you don't get it yeah so, Cool. Um, all right. Well, good. I'm glad you had a good birthday. Uh, do we have any news? Has anything happened in the last week? <laughs> I have well, news. Okay. I've, I've been in news. Okay. They're what's really, your news? They're really pushing the opening theaters up late June, mid June, early July. Okay. That's the push. They wanna they wanna open with Tenet and Mulan as the two big. Oh, Tenet. So Tenet's still on the schedule. For July 17th or whatever. They have not moved the date. It is still there. Warner Brothers is keeping their steadfast. These theaters are really pushing for how we open. What does that look like? But also, they want to. Because the thing we're going to run into, if we do June to December, that's like six months of trying to pack in all of these movies are still going to have a war seasons. They're still going to have all that kind of stuff. And it's going to be nuts. I'm going to have to buy a full body hazmat suit. Cause I'm going to see tenant in a very large theater with a very large screen. I, and I think you're going to see theaters at least early on, try that kind of stuff, right? Limited seatings. Um, what you're going to see, I think is, is these films that are coming out trying to do stuff like shorten the runtime to get as many screens as they can in a day because of the limited seating. You think they're going to edit these movies down? Yeah. If if the theater's going to go with limited seating, I can see some films trying to edit them down to get... You're not going to get these these like two hours and 40 minute movies. 
So that's weird, right? Because we've talked just recently, we were talking about it again of like how they've already done that in the past to, you know, Mm -hmm. cut down movies to get more runtime. But that's like during the editing stage, it seems like like these movies are already fully baked. Mulan should already be out by now. So the idea that they might be like in there cutting, that's too bad. They might. I'm not saying they will. I can see it actually happening because I don't know if theaters can open at the same capacity that they once were, at least not initially. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it makes sense. I don't blame they'll, them. They'll do all kinds of stuff to try to recoup as much money as they can. Yeah, that's fair. And and honestly, I want to see it so bad. So I'll take it. And like, again, it'll be available later, right? This is just a moment in time. So at some point, I'll get to see the whole thing. Um, yeah, just that's okay. bleach and go to the theater. You'll be okay. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, I hope that's, I mean, that's optimistic thinking um, by yeah. theaters. And I'm, I'm, I'm all for optimistic thinking. I really want to see these movies. So if uh, by July we can actually go to movies, that would be wonderful. Yeah. Um, cool. Kenan, did you have news? Yes, I do. I don't know, Tim, had you heard this? There's a Hunger Games prequel movie in the works by Lionsgate. No, but I'm not surprised. Yes. So apparently it's a prequel movie. There's a book that's being written called The Ballad of Songbirds. What is a uh, Susan Collins is the name of the author, right? Um, yeah. So it's set uh, for release on May nineteenth, um, and the summary from the from the article says, "The Hunger Games prequel film will be fo- will focus on Coriolanus Snow, <laughs> the president um, at age eighteen, years before he would become the tyrannical president of Canada. Yeah. Young Coriolanus is handsome and charming." And, al- and although the uh, Snow family has fallen on hard times, he sees a chance for a change in his fortunes when he is chosen to be a mentor for the 10th Hunger Games, only to have his elation dashed when he is assigned to mentor a gir- the girl tribute from Impoverished District 12. So I, I was on the Deadbeat Film Society two years ago mm-hmm. in the movie that we picked was Hunger Games. And I remember saying, like, I would love to see a President Snow people. Because they hint at it in the movies, like, he wasn't always this guy. He sort of made this sort of tyrannical turn at some point in his life. He made, a, made, like, a deal with something to do something. Um, yeah. So it sounds like, yeah, he had, a like, a major, what do you, what'd you call a face-heel turn? Basically? Yeah, for sure. A Not a heel turn. turn. Yeah. So, so this is exciting. Also, at uh, so if the main character is eighteen or twenty ish, he's probably going to have a parent, but his parents not going to be as old as the current actor for this character. So, yeah. I will be happy so long as Kiefer Sutherland plays his dad. Nah, he's too old. Kiefer? Wait, wait wasn't Kiefer Sutherland play? You want him to play his own father? No, Donald Sutherland is the president. Kiefer yeah, Sutherland oh, oh, is... Oh, Kiefer Sutherland. He's not too old to have a 20-year-old. He's too yeah, old? No, yeah, I, I think you're right. Oh, to play his, to play his dad? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, possibly. I mean, that's, that's funny and meta. Yeah, Actually, I think it'll be great. I like great. that idea. And it'll make me believe that whatever actor they pick is really him. Because like, well, your dad looks just like him. You're going to look like your dad, and your dad's going to look just like this. Ooh. I wonder if one of the if they if he has a kid who's also an actor, that's not too uncommon. Yeah, maybe. Mm. Um, cool. That's exciting news. 
Uh, are you guys ready to get into what we've been up to? Yeah. All right. What have you guys been doing? What are you watching, reading, thinking about? Right. Uh, a couple things. Last Sunday, I watched the first two episodes of the Jordan documentary on ESPN. Yes. Did you watch it? No, but you you mentioned it briefly. It is fantastic. It's really good. Oh, it's great. It's great. So I watched it. Um, part two, part three, and four come out tonight. Okay. Apparently, so Netflix in other countries released it and of course it's been ripped and put on the internet so like, people can find all 10 parts if they want to watch it um and i watched last night i couldn't sleep so i was up watching the net with uh sandra bullock ryan Phillippe? no the net sandra bullock early 90s yeah where there's still her identity on the she's using the internet like it's so ridiculous mm-hmm. it is really funny information through the internet it's like this weird thing um i watched that <laughs> that's pretty great and i finished little fires everywhere on hulu which if you if you aren't watching i would highly recommend carrie washington reese witherspoon there's some really talented young actresses in it like i would recommend that what's the premise it's about this 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 girl this lady named mia who moves to the small town and she rents out a place from reese witherspoon's character and then all this stuff unfolds around the two of them. They both are sort of have a bit of a secret. And uh, yeah, it's fantastic. It is great. Shalia will love it, absolutely. You'll yeah. like it too. Like, it's a little scandalous. I think you'll appreciate it. I'm um, saving it. I haven't started it yet. Um, uh, but I'm, I'm, I want to watch it for sure. Uh, slightly uh, unrelated question. Do you know what Fleabag is about? Because we keep seeing it advertised. Uh, no, but I've, uh, everyone I've talked to who watched it loves it. So it's on my list. Okay. We'll have to check it out. Um, going back to the Jordan documentary, um, this is interesting because I feel like it, remi- it reminds me of something that we talked about last year. And Kendon, I feel like this is what you requested of like some medium between um, appointment television and like ha- like dropping the entire season at once and binging because like how do you keep up with it how do you have enough to watch at a time but also um not have people who are like go all the way through and people who can't watch like binge it and then like how do you be able to talk about it in between um and so like with the jordan so they're dropping two episodes each week right so there's 10 all together and so you have the opportunity to get through it pretty quick but not all at the same time but also, I think the thing that ESPN has learned, and they've learned it through NBA Twitter, because they invited a bunch of, I don't know if you saw this last year, they invited a bunch of people from NBA Twitter to the NBA Finals, right? They realized the reaches that they have. They realized that there's, there's a secondary experience with people online. Mm-hmm. So when it really important up in two parts on Sundays, it's that Game of Thrones effect, right? Well, part of it is the show and the fans and enjoying it. And the other part of it is you know, these different hashtags you can follow and, 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 and watch with. And so exactly. You're seeing, and it's people from, people like my dad's age and like my age and, and people my nephew's age all watching this thing together and having a different experience and having a different viewpoint on what they're seeing. And mm-hmm. I think it has really tapped into that and they're encouraging it and they're, all, they're doing all of that kind of stuff, which I think more people are going to have to adapt to when it comes to like, 
getting important television. You know, I really appreciate that just because there is so much that gets packed into every episode and just like a lot of the shows that we've been binge watching. And if you don't have a moment to pause in between, you 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 can't talk about or process or really appreciate with others like all mm-hmm. of those things that happen in between because like you're talking about the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Um, so yeah, like having slowing it down a little bit so we can kind of enjoy it together. I, I I appreciate that, and also having it continuously coming, so I'm not like having to wait week to week to week, but like that I can savor it a little bit. I like that. I appreciate um, that they're trying that out. Yeah, they're trying. Mm-hmm. Kenan, do you want to tell us what you're up to? Sure. So I want to start off with. Uh, I promise this is not an advertisement, but um, was it yesterday? No. Friday night, I cooked um, something from Blue Apron that was kind of new to me, a bit more, but it came with a whole lot more stuff, and it was kind of a fancy recipe, so I actually had a ton of fun cooking it, but it was called uh, Calabrian Shrimp and Fresh Fettuccine, so it was almost like a like a multi-course meal, um, so there was a salad that um, included like this ricotta like uh dressing not dressing but like a bed so you would spray spread out this ricotta that um i think it had it had peppers mixed into it um and then um you put the green beans on top um and then there was a separate fettuccine with shrimp it was really 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 good i want to remake it sometime it looks fancy looks something out of a fancy restaurant I just showed Tim a picture of the salad because it was really pretty. It was really delicious. Oh, and the fettuccine had like, it was basil fettuccine. So like the noodles had basil already in it too. And I got to help Kendon cook without actually having to like cook, which was really (laughs) nice. So I was on my like Friday night Zoom and was like separating the basil noodles, um, which was fun. I was like eating some in the meantime, which is always fun. But you were eating those noodles? while? Oh man. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I like I like dough. Tastes good. Um, and then I also separated the uh, parsley leaves from their stems, and then found out I was supposed to par- separate the mint leaves from their stems. So <laughs> I separated the mint too. So it's fun, fun times with Blue Apron. Anyways, it's one of the favorite things Sue. I've ever Call cooked. Call me Sue. So I'm gonna try to to work out my own version of the recipe. Um, it had prosciutto as well, which I'm a big fan of. But I, I'm guessing, Tim, you know, have you ever had prosciutto? Yeah, but like not. It's been a while, not not recently. I'm a huge fan of Italian food. <laughs> okay, so this is something that we'll talk about next week about what we've been doing, but just as a preview. So Ken and I's fifth uh, anniversary, five-year wedding anniversary is coming up, and Tim, you should have gotten an invite. And the thing that we're doing is we sent around one recipe for all of our friends to cook and make over the week Saw that. so that we can during the party all have at least one appetizer that's the same and so it's orange greens um that that we did uh so yeah cooking cooking is fun all right Hayden, what else have you been doing um and speaking of we were talking about the difference between appointment television and binging um I accidentally got started on a on a um, HBO show that I did not realize was not complete yet um, it's Atlanta's missing and murdered the lost children. Yeah. Have, you, nuts. have you watched any of this? Yeah. Um, this the story is always fascinating to me. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, I mean, it's fairly easy, I guess, but this is way better than the um, Atlanta monster podcast. 
what uh, about this is HBO uh, production value? What about so? There's also the um, Mind Hunter. Yeah. Is that how like compared to how Mind Hunter handled it? How do you? Is this like well, a good supplement or it as a as a plot line slash case study within uh, a narrative show? You know, with mm-hmm. actors and from what I can tell, the Wayne Williams actor, it kind of nails it, right? Um, nails it. Because Wayne did a bunch of interviews. So, if, you yeah. know, the, if, if the guy's good enough, he can get all of Wayne's mannerisms and voice. You know what I'm saying? Like, he had these weird, that not a tick, but, like, his speech pattern was very specific. And then the actor on mm-hmm. um, Mind like, nailed it. Well, Wayne Williams is a person who can't shut up. Like that's that's the first takeaway from the Atlanta Monster podcast, which is I think what makes it interesting more than because I think a couple of years ago we talked about it. Did you mm-hmm. listen to that one? Yeah, I did. Yeah. So the 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 producer the the what do you call it um, the interviewer is not that great, um, but it's fascinating to just listen to Wayne go on and on and on. So this here is, um, it's more of a documentary. Um, and it's just a, a, it's a crazy time. It's a crazy thing to think of. Um, I'm convinced that there's no way he pulled them all off or pulled them off, but yeah. committed yeah. all of them. I, I'm not saying I think he's innocent at all, but when the amount that they're of, uh, crimes are tr- that they're trying to uh, attribute to him, I think maybe, um, when they really put into context the um, what Atlanta was going through at the time, right. and, I mean the early '80s. I think I've mentioned this before, but like it's really when you think about it, decades don't shift immediately. You know, we don't. You think of decades as eras, but you know, really they're arbitrary. So the the late or the early '80s are really close to the late '70s, which was probably a very like bad time to be in the South for, for black people or other people. Right. So they do a lot to contextualize what Atlanta was like, what it was going through. They were um, really promoting themselves as the city that was too busy to hate the, Mm -hmm. the black middle-class found some refuge in Atlanta um, in the South, in the South. (laughs) Yeah. But the idea that all of these, you know, these murders started happening, um, but they're like, oh, well, the, p- the police at the time, they were like, the joke almost was their clan hood. They just kept in the trunk so they could go to the meeting after they got off of work. Right. So yeah. as far as I, like, as far as I'm concerned, there's, I think there's a reasonable chance that there were a bunch of peripheral murders that were being done that the police were like, hey, we can just lump this in with what's already going on. Because what, what would that have done to the city if they found out these, the clan? And some of them police were killing these little black boys. They don't get the airport bill. They don't right, because the-, the airport was going to be the largest airport in the country or world? In the country at the time. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that was going to... None of that happened with this business. Yeah, if you get his reputation for this dangerous place where kids are... And the, re- the way you can tell that it was important <clears throat> is because Reagan's administration jumped right on it right on doing something about it. And that's something that you get from, um, from mine hunters as well. One of the characters wanted to go down there and figure the things out and he goes down there, but it's yet to have gotten enough uh, publicity, I think. And once the publicity comes, the, uh, they task the vice president Bush 
with yeah. figuring this out. And there's a big press conference with the president and all this. And, and you can tell like Reagan wasn't the most like uh, racially sensitive guy, but he was like, we can't have this happening in a great American city. Yeah. No, nah, not on my watch. Mm-hmm. Anything else that you're up to? Um, that's primarily it. That's primarily it. Kendon, what about the thing that uh, we were saying that you were going to say <laughs> that you've been up to? <laughs> so, okay, <laughs> let me do it again. <laughs> so something else Kendon has been up to is a YouTube clip that our friend Troy shared with him. And Tim, we have now shared it with you. I will yeah. probably... Uh, I'm going to put in some of Tim's reactions. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> Keep watching. I'm nervous while this is going. <laughs> you're right. It's better. <laughs> Without knowing what you're watching. <laughs> this. Why are you crying? <laughs> it's a mixture of emotions. How'd you find this? <laughs> Troy sent it to us. Is there anything else that happens? No, no, I mean, anything else that happens? No, no, other no, than like, you, you're you a good boy. <laughs> and he smiles. The little kid, yeah, with his little with his little chip tooth smile. Yeah, I I'm gonna ask Troy how he found that. Yeah, I need to know how he found it. (laughs) It's a, I mean, it's a movie, 1973, Lone Wolf Cub. Or Kenan, what? Tell us about this thing that you've watched. Yeah, Uh, it was just the intro scene from uh, a 1973 movie called Okami. The wolf and the cub, if I have that right. Does that's that like what the said? lone cub. Or is it the lone wolf and the cub? Do you lone wolf still have cub. it up? Lone wolf and the cub. Lone wolf uh, and the cub. So I looked up a, a little bit of the background. Apparently, the main character who we meet walking with his child in a wheelbarrow with a flag coming out of it that basically says um, expertise and young child for hire. And you're like, what is this? Apparently, he is a disgraced executioner who um, used to work for a shogun or a, um, like a major uh, leader of a clan. I'm not quite sure. So he's kind of like a samurai. Um, and he's walking along with his son um, on this mountain trail, I think. And he meets this group of travelers, um, all appear to be men until he realizes one of them is actually a woman. And she's suffering from swollen breasts. And so they ask to like basically hire his son to suckle to give her relief. Yep. I don't know if it's a scene that we watch. I was like, is this cultural? Like what is going on? But then I written, I looked it up and apparently in the, at least in the manga version or or something, uh, she's insane. And she just walks up and grabs the child. Um, So anyways, um, it was just really that odd thing to watch. (laughs) I, uh, odd thing to watch. I will agree with that descriptive. Tim, what did you think about it? I, I, I had no idea what I was watching, so I was really just like, where is this going? So, uh, Tim, got, Tim, you had the experience I had. Yeah, I had no idea what it was. <laughs> yeah, kind of kind of ridiculous. Uh, what, like, if you go to the YouTube of it, like, two minutes in, you can see the scene that we're talking about. 
um, where she's just like crying while getting relief from all that breast milk in her. Um, And this kid who saves the day. He's three. He's three. Yeah, three-year-old for hire. You don't have to skip into the two minutes because I didn't know which part I was supposed to watch. And the opening is actually really nice. Like the opening is is kind of like this this good music and kind of hand-drawn. It's Well, it's manga-based, so... But, like, I didn't really realize... Well, I guess it's obvious manga would go back that far, but the art style is really... I appreciate the art style. So, anyways. Okay. So, what I've been doing this week different is I started a new podcast. It's called Unlocking Us with Brene Brown. So, I don't know who Brene Brown is, but somebody at my work had been listening to the podcast, and I was like, let me check this out. Um, She's a doctor. A PhD doctor, like mental health is like kind of her thing. (laughs) She's a doctor. (laughs) Um, She goes by Brene Brown, though, which is nice, right? So I appreciate people who have PhDs who don't necessarily go by doctor. Um, Like me? Soon to be you. Soon to be me. Soon to be you someday. Um, Anyway, so the first one that I listened to was from this week, and it was with the former Surgeon General, um, Dr. Murthy, Vivek Mm -hmm. Murthy. Um, and the, it's about loneliness and connection and just talking about how important connection is. And it's not like you need to be surrounded by people because you could feel more lonely in like a room full of people than you do with three friends who like make you feel like you're, you've got that connection. Um, and then like he, he was doing a lot of traveling of like as surgeon general, like, how are you feeling? Like, what are the like health conditions that I need to be addressing for the country? And a lot of the feedback he would get, he would, like, no one would necessarily say I'm lonely, but after a while, he'd be able to kind of identify, like, it sounds like they're lonely. Like, that's kind of part of, like, all of this. And he, oh, it broke my heart. One of the things he talked about was, like, when he was practicing um, and he would have patients who, like, they have to make some kind of tough, hard decision and they just, they, they came by themselves. And so he would be like, you know, this is a big decision. Is there anybody you'd like us to call so that you can talk this through and, you know, somebody who can, who can help you make these decisions and kind of work through this. And like so many people would be like, no, like, it's just me. I have, I don't have anybody else. Like I'll make this decision. Um, And how like hard that was for him. And then also at the end of life, how many people it was him and like the staff at the hospital like there to see that person's last breaths, like because they just didn't have anybody else to to be there with them, and oh, what a tragedy that is. Um, so I don't remember what the guest was, but um, there was a Joe Rogan interview that I was listening to, and they were talking about how basically, on a medical basis, societally and medical basis, that loneliness has become a real, like almost epidemic in our country. Um, and they were citing an uh, a citing a study. I don't remember the the. The, the years gap but it was something like say 20 or 30 years ago how many people how many people did somebody have close friends that they could talk to or go to in a crisis and it went from like an average of four or the most common answer was four down to the most common answer was zero mm-hmm. and where we are evolved to be social creatures and loneliness actually has real measurable impacts on us they did a study where people who were lonely were demonstrated to actually 
recover from from the flu you like um more slowly than people who were not lonely mm -hmm. and so that's a real thing um i just say make human connections is is a real important thing mm -hmm. And so I highly recommend this podcast. Like, so she is nice, um, kind of light host. Uh, she's really smart, but she's, she's, she's like a, they're not, they're not, it doesn't feel serious. It feels like a conversation, um, but they're hitting on real topics and, and I learned some things and I also think it's really important and I'm finding myself like checking in with friends a little bit more and being like, mm -hmm. how are you? And and um, asking in a way that's like, it's okay for you to say, I'm not okay. <laughs> or, you know, like asking in a moment where I know that if they say they're not okay, that I can take a pause of whatever I was going to do next and actually like listen through that with them. Because it's true. Like there are times where I don't feel great, but I know that the person, I mean, we're just in passing. Like they don't have the, the time to be like, oh, you're not okay. Well, let's talk about this. Um, so I'm just going to say I'm fine. Right. And so anyway. I think it's really good. So she has, I mean, it's not, it's a newer podcast. Um, but the one from this week was about loneliness. She has, um, I just want to tell you some of the, so last week it was on permission to feel and how, um, we kind of as a society have learned to like, not express our feelings or like things like I need you, or I need your help. Like, at, yeah. like there's this like independence in us that we've kind of learned. Um, anyway and like there's one about grief and finding meaning um comparative suffering it's really it's i really like it and i highly recommend it so um the podcast is unlocking us um mm -hmm. with renee brown so yeah anyway it's been a good week it sounds like um are we ready to talk about fx we are no no <laughs> i am not prepared to discuss this film <laughs> raleigh tyler is an fx man the movie's master of make-believe. But now somebody wants Raleigh Tyler to do it for real. We want to stage a fake assassination, Raleigh, and we want you to supervise it. All right, well, Tim, tell us what FX is about. Um, FX directed by Robert Mandel, who directed some episodes of Lost, some episodes of The District. Um, it stars Brian Brown as... Uh, Roland Roll, Tyler. Our um, second with him, I think. Only yeah. two, but yeah. <clears throat> Brian Dennehy as Lieutenant McCarthy. Diane Venora as Ellen. Cliff DeYoung as Martin Lipton. Mason Adams as Colonel Mason. <laughs> That's funny. Jerry Orbach as, as Nicholas DeFranco, who's this mobster guy. And Joe Grafassi as Mickey Gavignon. Hey, you want to know what's funny? Uh, Jerry Arbach, who I'm a big fan of from Law and Order, and he's also Baby's uh, father in Dirty Dancing. Yes, he is. He needed to say he's also Baby's dad. He has to be at least in his, what, late 40s in this movie? Maybe his 50s? And I kept thinking of him as young Jerry Arbach in my head. <laughs> mm -hmm. Because I know him from growing up watching him on Law and Order. So for FX, there's a sequel that came out in 1991. Yes, there, and then there is. Was it was a series. FX series. Was Brian Dennehy in it? No. Oh. Do you know what? This crazy. Renato, Christian Fox, and Richard Waugh. And we'll get, we can get into it as we go along. But this movie came across so much as TV to me. Had like a yeah. very TV feel. And even a bit of a MacGyver feel to it. Have you ever seen the show? Does it have similarities to MacGyver? I've never seen the show. 
But I imagine it has a MacGyver A-Team kind of feel to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And he, yo, so he goes around the city to city, solving people's problems, burn notice style or whatever. Right. Okay. So, Tim, what is your uh, relationship with this movie? I watched it as a kid. I mean, you can imagine me at like eight thinking this was the coolest thing I'd ever seen in my life. <laughs> eight, nine year old me thinking this was incredible. I had exactly that experience with Condor, man. <laughs> exactly. Part of me that, like, that watched this as a kid and thought it was like the coolest idea. A special effects guy gets called in by the police to help do this fake assassination, but then gets caught up in the real assassination and has to clear his name. And he's being chased by bad guys. And- you know what? You're right. There's a lot that works here. And on top of it, being a kid, like, they have all the props. They're showing you these like monsters that he's had in other movies. So there's fun to it too. Yeah. 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 Even more in the sequel. There's even more of that in the sequel. Shalia, you watched the sequel, didn't you? Yeah, I did. She watched so, the sequel. She, she was, it was very interesting because she was kind of disengaged from this, this movie and you ne- immediately started the second movie. Yeah. Well, the second one's a lot more fun. Is it? It is fun. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. There's this uh, the, the bad guy. Ridiculous. Yeah, well, and the bad guy is like he, he's never not a bad guy. So like, I'm like, you're a bad guy. But like, um, yeah, no, it was really funny, Tim. I did not like this movie. Like, this movie was, was stupid. I thought, and, yeah. like, it was like, oh my god, like it was. But I immediately, as soon as we were like, as soon as it was ending, I was like, I'm watching the second one. Like, I, that's happening right now. I need to see it. And like. Kendon and Carmay watched the first one with us. They both left, but I watched the whole one. I watched the whole thing last night. Like, just this is, <laughs> this has to happen <laughs> naturally. Yeah. Yeah. I almost watched it too. I was like, oh. I was. And it was good. I, I mean, was it was fun. Yeah. This first one has an 88 on Rotten Tomatoes. And the I think entire. It's Go ahead. Nostalgia, right? It's got to be. Well, you don't think that's from the original reviews as well? Because it's good and it's not. It's so weird. It's like a good TV show and a really cheap movie. Mm-hmm. All right, Tim, tell us. Huh? But real quick, Kenan, had this been a made-for-TV movie, you think you would have appreciated it more? I'd be like, wow, this is really impactful TV stuff. I don't even know mentally why this is a difference in my head, but if it was a two-part episode, I would, oh, I would yeah. think it was an amazing two-part episode of something. Or right. like a, a two-part pilot episode or whatever. Right. Kind of like, like a, the Battlestar Galactica opening. Something like, like that, yeah. It's like a movie, but it's like a two-part show. Yeah, because remember, or Shalia <laughs> might, might know, she, she says um, Brian Dennehy doesn't show up until late, what, late into the movie. And I late. said, as we were watching it, I was like, oh, this almost feels like when they call him, mm-hmm. like this is the end or cliffhanger of the first part of a of a series. It's like all this crazy stuff's happening, and now we're gonna call in the grizzled yeah. detective because he's the one solving things in the second part of this film, right? Mm-hmm. Together and like getting it. You know, and he figures it out at the end. Do you know what minute marker he shows up? Is it like forty five minutes in? It's got to be about forty minutes in. Yeah, it's, something like that. It's a big setup for this. There's- movie. So much happening. I was okay. excited throughout the movie and yet critical of how, like, the production. It's such a I, long setup. If I yeah. had been in the theater watching this, I would have been like, what the fuck? 
Okay, so this is built for commercials almost. Yeah, so a uh, couple things uh, leading into this. First of all, you know, Ken and I have been watching Community. We happened <sighs> to watch an oh, episode yeah. of Community about grifting <laughs> right before we watched this. Like, we watched a grifting episode and it like played on the sting, and it's like, okay, the setup, and then the this, and the that. And so it was really funny because like we just saw that and now we're watching this. And well, first of all, I told you. I got online and was like, are we watching the right movie? Because I kept waiting for Brian Dennehy to show up. And like the morgue guy was like kind of like a bigger white guy, <laughs> white hair. So it's like, oh, finally. And I'm like, wait, that's not him. So I, I did. I looked it up. Like, is, let's make sure we're watching the right movie. But then like, um, but yeah, no, it, we, really, we just kept being like, this is a grift. Or, have we been grifted? What's going on? And then um, no, like it's just this long setup for a grift. Like, big setup for a grift. And that's what this is. So really weird that that really, those I, happened together. Are you familiar with the episode of Community Room? No. Uh-uh. Oh, you mm-hmm. should watch it because have you ever seen the IT crowd? Yes. So you know the second denim boss? Mm-hmm. It's like his son that really like ar- arrogant like I love that actor's portrayal. He mm-hmm. plays the uh, professor who comes in to teach Grifting 101. It's good. It's a good one. Yeah. Um, and by this time, Keith David's in it. So. Oh yeah, Keith oh, David's right. in it. It's very bad. It's a very good episode. We like we lose uh, Donald Glover, but we gain Keith David. Um, but we gained Atlanta. And we gained Atlanta, so it's all sure. worked out. Uh, okay, so can you tell us, Tim, about the plot? What is this movie about? So. What is this movie about? <laughs> It opens with what we think is someone getting shot at a bar. We realize it's like a movie set. There's a special effects guy, um, Roly, Roland, who's this top of the line special effects guy, not living in LA though. Living no, in where LA. are they? They're like in New York or Chicago or something. Okay, yeah, New York is where I thought maybe they were. So he gets he gets a call it's from- It's definitely New York. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Cause it's he mob. gets a call from this guy from the Justice Department who wants to have him, this, this mobster guy is supposed to go and testify and be with his protection, but they want to fake his death. So they want to use his special effects. But. So that just reminds me, like, yeah, so the setup, like, as it's beginning, something that, uh, like, as, I think it was Lipton shows up, and it's like, we know these faces. Like, hey, we know that guy. We know that guy. Like, we're starting to recognize and Kenan's like, yeah, like you wouldn't say that in a movie now that comes out and be like, oh, I know that person and that person and that person. Because like these were the actors that were in the, these movies at the time. <laughs> but for me, I'm like, hey, familiar faces. You're sitting in the 80s and, and, and you're like, oh, I recognize that actor. Yeah. I recognize. Oh yeah. oh, yeah, because they're all the actors in Hollywood right now. Anyway, <laughs> funny thing. Continue. So he, they, they pitch him this idea. So he comes up. He makes a mold of the guy's face, which which comes into play later. Uh, so the setup, he's going to walk in this restaurant and shoot him, which he assumes are blanks in this gun, shoots this guy like four or five times, shoots him in the face, this very public murder. Then he gets in the car with the people from the Justice Department who are supposed to help him. And on the way to wherever they're supposed to go, they try to kill him. No loose ends. Yeah, yeah, no loose ends. So he crashes the car, he gets, he gets, he calls the guy, he's connected whatever and tells them to try to kill me he's like where are you just wait he says i'm at this phone booth he's like oh just wait for me but after the phone call someone knocks on the phone booth and starts using it so as he's waiting the police show up and just shoot this dude <laughs> like 
20 times. Suit the stranger. So now he's in the wind. He gets his girlfriend killed because mm-hmm. he's in the and is trying to get to the bottom of what's happening. Meanwhile, Brian Denny's character comes in and he starts trying to put pieces together because it's like this high profile case with this monster. That and, and fight Brian scene Denny- in the middle is that fight scene right after his girlfriend gets killed is kind of crazy and kind of great. He jumps yeah. out like through these boxes. Oh God, this movie was, so was funny. like a like a gorilla or something. He's like. Rawr, he busts through the, the boxes. Listen, there's a better one in the second movie with that ro- robotic doll he has to fight with. Yeah, the clown. The yeah, the clown? clown. Okay, I guess I gotta watch this now. I was oh, that scene is, you, you can just find that scene on YouTube. That scene is great. Yeah. Okay. Um so so that's the interesting thing about it is like so the girlfriend gets murdered, uh he kills the murderer and like yeah. is on the is on the lamb or in the lamb, whatever. Brian Dennehy doesn't get assigned to the mob boss murder. He gets assigned to just this like side, you know, just a murder in an apartment investigation and like figures out that they're tied together. But it was really funny because he's like, I should be on this other murder. And then somebody was like, you had to go after this one, like the one that you wanted. And he's like, no, they were connected. Like swear. (laughs) I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. (laughs) Super funny. So the, the 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 one of the other funny parts is um so when when he calls his special special effects friend to come meet him oh my god she's terrible she's a bad actress let's just talk about her for a second yeah before she's a bad we... bad actress or poor she's not good okay it's 1986 but it's not like it's it's we weren't sure if it was her fault or if it was the audio because like her voice just sounded so dumb we were just like stop talking don't say anything else now. you know the famous like, like lines. Sad. You know, like the famous lines from um, the room, mm-hmm. "You're tearing me apart." Like, like really, really bad delivery. Every time, <laughs> every time she said anything, it sounded like that. I was. Like, she didn't have a lot of lines. Oh, so, fortunately, oh, what am I doing? Um, yeah. Also, she kept so- screaming at the end. I was like, "Will you shut up? <laughs> Why are you screaming?" Like, someone's Why? trying to stop screaming. Um, uh, but so, I love that scene, real quick. I love that scene because he's smart. So he tells her, "You're here to meet. There's a there's a there's a sniper pointing at your head. You're here to meet so and so. Put this in the lake in the water, and he'll, he'll know you're ready to talk to him." So when he goes to lean over, put it in the lake, he pushes him in the lake, and they run. I was like, "Oh, that's super smart." Yeah, yeah, that was a good. So you know that lake for some reason was reminding me of Home Alone two. Yeah. Um, and then later in the movie. Once he gets to the house, oh my god, the house! I felt like it was an adult version of Home Alone. <laughs> all kind of Gaddis in the house. Yeah, that, that that end scene was first of all, it was very video game. Now we were talking about Metal Gear Solid in connection to Escape from New York right. a couple of episodes ago. This one is very much like a series called Hitman, which actually people might be familiar the um, movies from the movies. But all the way from like the the little balloon, just doing little weird things to knock out the guards and get into like you know um, some rich mob person's house. Actually, it's not even a mob person, right? This is the a, a guy who works for the Justice Department's house. Yeah, his house, yeah. And then getting in, and you got to get the target, and there's sub targets, and there's this was very very much like the movie or like the game Hitman. Okay, but I want to go back before we go into that because this is all like stuff I feel like we have to spend time on. Um, 
So the, the, all the of it. chase sequence. So before we get into all of that, um, can, can I, I have a question about going back to his, uh, his coworker who helps him with props. So she's the one he calls to leave, to have a briefcase in the lobby for him that mm-hmm. he goes and picks up. Right. And instead of leaving it, she is holding it and has fallen asleep. Huh? She, he goes to this lobby and there's a blonde woman asleep on a chair with a black oh, case. Oh, and he ties, he ties her feet together? Yeah, that's her, right? I think so. Okay, and so she's asleep and he, he takes the, the, the strap from her robe and ties it around her feet and leaves. Now, I'm taking that as they play tricks on each other a lot. Yeah, and so, so when she wakes up, she's going to stumble and that's going to be funny. And she gets him back by... Like that, that dust that explodes in his face. Oh, in the yeah. box. Yeah. Okay. It was just really weird because like they don't talk about it. They don't acknowledge it. We don't see it happen. Um, you know, what was odd to me is that the, like the doorman. Yeah. Like there's a, there's basically a sleeping woman and a guy, I, maybe he knows that they know each other. He does. But, yeah. Oh, okay. Cause he's just like, whatever. Yeah. Here they go again with their little pranks. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I like that. that. Yeah. I like that, except for the movie doesn't really explain it. So it's like, uh, yeah, okay. All right, so they get to the boathouse, push the guy in the water, and run. Well, I actually, I had a quick question for Tim. For the beginning of the of the thing, of the movie, was it obvious to you that the that it was fake? I didn't know the premise of the movie. Yeah, but I was like, something about this makes it seem like, oh, this is a this. This is a movie scene that they're making. I mean, it's pretty over it's the top. Shot. Yeah, it's a weird shot. <laughs> it's okay. pretty over the top. All of those fish tanks. And the one yeah, it's, 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 it's over the top. Yeah, it's the way they shoot it. And I think the way the, the, vic, the, the female victim uh, gives her lines. Mm-hmm. And they never show the guy shooting the gun. Anyways, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, okay. So the monster guy has like $15 million. Is it fifteen? How much million? Is it? Fifteen million dollars, and I was like, "How much Swiss is that?" Out. Yeah, it's like a lot of money. In, in in today's money, is that like fifty? Is that like fifty million dollars? Yeah, um. So okay, so they are at the boathouse. They escape. They run. They run into a tunnel. Turns out, like there's just these tunnels under New York City, and like every morning, a whole bunch of homeless people just crawl up through Come from underground, like the Ninja Turtles. And start I, was their day. I was like, yes, that's where that's how Raphael gets around, isn't it? Yeah, that was insane. I is that real? Is that yeah, really? I'm sure it is. The way they For just some. Talk, that's too much of a of a specific sort of detail. I feel like for them to have made up, and it's right. By like a hot dog stand or something, yeah, or a newsstand. No, it's a hot dog stand. And the guy, the guy who's like there getting served at the hot dog stand is just like, okay, these, this is what happens. Time to go to work. Yeah. No one's seen the blinking eye. People just going to work, watching homeless people come up from the sewers. Right. Well, and it's weird because, like, I mean, there are a lot of homeless people who don't sleep in the tunnels and who just for, sleep for on sure. the sidewalk. So it's not that weird. But the idea that, yeah, that they're. They, Okay, it's date. It's morning, and and like they they're they're walking up like they're coming out of the subway, like yeah, on their commute much. to work. <laughs> it's weird. Oh man! So the chase scene. So they start getting chased. Uh, they get in the van. They're getting chased. They put like oil slick on the ground, which causes like a six car pileup. They're just throwing stuff at this guy who's been chasing them. 
There are a so, lot of innocent bystanders. Does this remind you of this. anything? Did this remind you of anything? Yes. RoboCop? No. I mean, that's not the wrong answer for you. I was, was five. Was it Fast Five? The yeah, real scene? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was like, um, just because you, oh, well, you know what? They escape. But as I was watching it, I was like, just because you're, you prove that you didn't murder somebody or whatever doesn't mean that all this property damage is, is going to be forgiven. Yeah, but it turns that. out that, that it's, it doesn't end in that way. Instead, he, he escapes out of the country or whatever. But yeah. still, I mean, there's a sequel, so clearly he gets away with it. Yeah, it was, it, it, that was a wild chase scene. Especially because he didn't try going to the cops. Like, it, he well, didn't <laughs> The police confused me in this because the NYPD is not known for not having a heavy presence, right? They're not around. <laughs> so he calls in, the, the cop that's chasing him calls in one um, backup unit, mm-hmm. but they're going on a tear through the city. And if you've been to New York, like, they're kind of, it feels like narrow streets and a bunch of just, like, tightly packed blocks so it was like you cannot have this long of a of a of a chase without running into the police let alone no him calling in yeah <laughs> let alone him calling in somebody else um so that was just odd to me so also funny part of um so in order to find out where the main doj guy lives he puts lipton in the back of a car and then goes around ramming the car uh with the, him in the trunk um, to get him, yeah, to I liked that. Okay, fine. But he should have let the woman out. Except for yeah, so he's like he he's like your turn to run in right in front. And so his friend gets in the front and like he's a put your seatbelt on. I'm laughing. I'm like she doesn't have to be in the car for this. She doesn't. She be waiting and watching. She does not have to be in the car. Com- coming from this. somebody who who had a car accident, right, Shalia? So Shalia has had like some neck problems from a car accident, and I, and I was thinking about that as I watched this woman's head flop back and forth back and forth yeah yeah so yeah that was really funny okay so also favorite my favorite previewing my favorite thing from this movie is when he has her get out of the truck and then just leaves her (laughs) (laughs) probably (laughs) oh man but it does keep her out of trouble right yeah does she show up in the sequel no okay that was really funny she wasn't like recast with maggie gyllenhaal no i know right (laughs) all right so what do you guys what do you guys want to talk about next um i one thing that really bothered me sorry real quick there was a couple things that bothered me that they were clearly did to make the plot go forward first of all if he's a stunt guy and i feel like they are trained to make sure to double check a gun that they expect to have blanks before they do something. And I know there was a major tragedy with Bruce Lee's son, Brandon Lee, yeah. um, on the set of The Crow. But in this case, he not only are you trained to check it, he's already suspicious because that guy keeps messing with the gun. Yeah, he keeps seeing him do it. <laughs> and so he's, he's convinced that he actually killed the guy. I was, the whole movie, that kind of seemed muddled to me. Also, maybe because I've watched things like The Dark Knight and The Departed and stuff like that, when he's in the back of the car after shooting the guy and he's, and um, he's like, why is the, why is there plastic all over the, the seat? And, then he, and the other guy's like, well, no loose ends. Like I would have just expected him to, to just turn around and shoot him, not to give him any warning. Like, so yeah. I felt like those are two like 
major like things that they just had to concessions they had to make to make the plot go forward. I mean, okay, so I agree with you on the checking the gun thing because it's clearly you're suspicious and you're doing this like whole thing and you're the one who's going to pull the trigger. Like, I'm really surprised he didn't check. Um, yeah. But for the car one, I mean, part of me is giving them a little bit of grace because these are not like professional bad guys. These are like DOJ uh, people who. Um, who are like in on this one plot because they want this one guy who they got um, his money. But like, it's not like Lipton regularly is doing this stuff. So I would, I would only, I would push back because they're in the witness. They work on witness protection, which means they deal with the mob, which means that they deal with a lot of um, shady characters. Well, shady characters and assassinations, mob killings. Also, I thought you were going to say, didn't we talk to somebody who it was like kind of a remarkable how easily the government ruins people's lives? Yes, that was an interview um, with um, Eric Snowden, or Snowden. Is that his name, Eric Snowden? What was his first name? I don't know. Snowden. Snowden, <laughs> that's his name. Yeah, so you were, you were just telling me about that, Kendon, of like, so Snowden was being interviewed and was saying like how we would just ruin people's lives. Yeah. So. So I was like, maybe they have done this before. I don't know. And while you bring up Lipton, that was one of my fun. That was one of the funnier things to me when he like, do you want some coffee? And then he offers him tea instead. Cause his name is Lipton. <laughs> that was also funny. He's like, I got to tell you the truth. I'm not really Lipton or my name's not really this. It's Lipton. Blah, blah, blah. Like, it's just so funny. And I still don't understand why they needed him for this. Like, they explain it. Who did? At some point, they, I don't remember who said it, but they were like, they, in order to get him away, to convince him to get away from his police escort, in order to make this happen, they, the only way is to bring in this famous um, uh, special effects guy, and that would make yeah. him. Yeah. It, 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 <clears throat> that's, that's the only way he to do it. Yeah, the girlfriend has that theory. She's like, I figured it out. This is what I think yeah. happened, which is, I thought was- And then she gets shot. And then she gets shot. Um, after saying how many times it's such a beautiful day, because you know she's going to go to the window and she's going to get Shalia shot. Called like, it like, she's like, she's going to die, isn't she? She's going to be killed I took that, at the window. I took that as a, she's going to die eventually. And then she walks over to the window and immediately gets shot. Like Shalia was, was like finishing the sentence- seconds earlier yeah because she kept saying it like it's such a beautiful day it's such a beautiful day and it's like oh we're gonna see what a beautiful day it is um but so she says that and so i i I believe it sort of except for like this guy doesn't seem like okay i guess i guess what we're saying is demarco agrees that raleigh is the best and so the only way he's gonna go through with this plot so that they can get him out of the country and get the money is because I had the feeling it was his idea. He 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 got he convinced them, uh, the police to uh, or the Department of Justice to go with him because they're not really caring about that he's going to testify. What they, they care no, about is not at all. They're all going to escape and get a lot of money. Yeah, so, that's the plan. Yeah, so I was I was very confused about why Raleigh. Yeah, speaking of that escape. Speaking of the escape. Where the where the hell was that chopper even coming from? Why was it taking hours? And once they realized that, that <coughs> there was a chance that the guy was coming, why didn't they just change up the plan? Oh no, they had time. 
just go somewhere else. Um, it was that was funny though, right? When Brian Denny, he's like, "Oh, a chopper! I'm impressed." And like the other cop is like, "Me too. We don't have helicopters." <laughs> <laughs> and wait, and, and so this funny. chopper must be taking them to an airport because you don't fly a helicopter across the, the Atlantic Ocean. So couldn't they have driven there? Couldn't they have wait, waited there and like bought a John Grisham novel and just hung yeah. out at the airport? Yeah, I mean, in okay, so part of this is DeMarco is a wanted man, right? There's there's already yeah. a hit out on him, so he's dead. They need to be careful and they can't see him. I guess but right. but still, like they didn't they had opportunity to change the plan. Um, so in terms of influences, do you think that this partially influences uh Mission Impossible? I forget which one it is, where it's like the first one they have the mask, but then like there are so many masks in then they make fun of mask after yeah, mask, like mask after mask after mask. mask after mask. And I was like, was I feel two. like this. That was two with all the masks. Yeah. So I felt like this might have uh, contributed to some of that. Yeah. There's, there's less masks. But yeah. Yeah, you might be right. I like this movie. Any other influences that you I liked this, this movie. movie? You liked it. MacGyver. I feel like there's a MacGyver but connection. MacGyver here. was already there. Like Mac- When did MacGyver yeah, come MacGyver out? MacGyver is 80s. Yeah. And he's like also in the box. 80s, right? So we are going to have to do MacGyver at some point. Let's see. Mac. Da, 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 1985. This already existed, huh? Mm-hmm. Our MacGyver already exists. Then is it a reverse? No. It's, I guess yes, it I think it is. I think it's a reverse. Like MacGyver is amazing. And they're like, hey, let's do this with a special effects guy. I feel like that. I don't see it happening that it's way. A, what's that called? A fall guy who was a stuntman. Huh? What? Fall Guy? You guys ever watch Fall Guy? No. What? So the the mm-hmm. man, similar thing. Hold on, I'm sending you the trailer. Okay. Send it to That's us. An iconic theme song. MacGyver yeah, is almost as like, old as I am. Yeah, MacGyver was MacGyver is the eighties. So I yeah, I really think MacGyver and oh. that also helps uh Kendon, your your point that this felt like a TV show. This felt like a long MacGyver or part of MacGyver. Like it, I feel like MacGyver is an influence within this movie because MacGyver is a TV show. They definitely seem to share some sort of DNA or cousins or something. Mm-hmm. But um... okay. So here's the premise for the fall guy, a fall guy, blah, 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 blah. Um, is Lee Majors plays Colt Seavers. He's a Hollywood stunt man who moonlights as a bounty hunter. He uses his physical skills and knowledge of stunt effects um, involving cars and his large pickup truck to capture fugitives and criminals. Hmm. Yep, fall guy. What, what year? 81 to 86. Okay, interesting. Okay, other influences or things you want to talk about before we get into favorite things? Influenced me to watch the second movie. S- seriously. The second movie is really, I mean... It's more of the first. Um, mm-hmm. I'll just like preview it for you, Kendon. He he's not a stuntman, or he doesn't do movies anymore. Now he makes toys for kids. What? Um, yeah, and so yeah. Is he still with Brian Dennehy? They're yeah, friends. They're so friends. Brian, he there's some trouble, um, and Brian Dennehy comes in and helps him out. And there's some trouble. Pretty yeah. insane. Um, so I I do think we should watch this. And friends, um, if you haven't seen it, I suggest you watch it. It's it's much more fun, fun than this one. Yeah. Because they don't have to do all the setups. 
Exactly. You don't have to have a 40 minute setup and be like, what is going on? <laughs> and like have him spinning around, not knowing what's going on either. Um, like there's, they're still figuring out a mystery sort of, but like yeah. they know what world they're in at least. Yeah. What they're is not doing that? Any world building. Yeah. Okay. So you guys are, I've already told you my favorite thing of the movie. What is your favorite things of the movie? I mean that van chase. Yeah. The chase sequence, probably, and the fight scene. The the fight. I, I mean, the, my very favorite thing is the 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 whole hitman esque hitman by being the video game, like I mentioned before. Um, sequence in the um, the uh, DOJ boss's house. Yeah, it's really cool. You, and in particular, the mirror trick. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I was like, how is this going to be convincing? And it's only convincing because the person is making a quick decision to do something mm-hmm. not because if you were standing there you're going to be like this is really the hallway blah 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 so yeah. that was fun um him making little noises like he made a noise so that the guy checked one door and then he went back and then he moved into that door he had just checked and the guy came back to finish checking the next door in the sequence it was it was like not the Roadrunner, but like some sort of uh, Looney Tunes esque. Yeah. Car- like there was ooh, a cartoon element. Bugs Bunny, Bugs like, Bunny, okay, almost. But like it tops it off when he like pulls the little trip cord across. Yep. Like, yeah. Through the hallway, and then the guy like immediately runs out and trips over it. Like it was. But it's cool. also like I liked that this was like rated R. Like it was, like it was kind of brutal. There was swearing, like the and like because right after that guy trips, he like bashes the back of his head in with a hammer yeah no like people are he's using his skills to murder people like murder people that is the other thing i don't know if you call it an influence influence but at some point it was like was he on the phone or something when it was like i I, the line i have a special set of skills Mm -hmm. from um uh the the taken series came into my head Mm -hmm. right and he used all of those like i was like are you a trained assassin like, what is going on here? I was tricked in the end when they're like, he's dead. And I was like, but when did he get killed? Like, <laughs> when did that happen? Oh, they shot him through the wall. Okay. I did, like, I missed it. So I was like, yeah. oh, how is Still he? House. I don't understand. And then I was like, he's not. But Here's a major influence, I think. Um, and also one of my favorite things, but sorry to have to bounce back. The Dark Knight, the last, the, the end sequence, um, they, there's a bunch of hostages. And the hostages all have guns taped to their hands yeah i was um i was hoping one of you were gonna mention that like fucking hilarious and also they just crazy. shoot him they sh- like yeah he he super glues the gun to the guy's hand and pushes Push. him out the door so he's like walking like oh there's <laughs> like, a- drop the gun he's like i can't uh. and then they shoot him and it's like this 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 is a joke this movie is really doing this like, we laughed but what's <laughs> interesting the is we just saw yeah. the police shoot somebody and um what did we just watch um what movie did we just watch it's okay uh, i mean in general soda pop and all of them oh really matt dylan yeah because he's he's running around with the gun and they're like it's not even loaded it's he's uh and he shot he gets shot and we're like damn that's like really heavy and then in this movie it's just comical well it's because the way he's like walking with it and like yeah right yeah, but and like we know he's a bad guy, so it, it's okay that he dies in this movie. But like, yeah, that was real. Like that was the, the movie takes itself seriously. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. this is this Crazy. might be one of the favorite movies that we've done. 
It's fun. It's, fun. it's not good good in certain ways. It's, it's not just good. fun. <laughs> um, Tim, what's your favorite thing about the movie? Probably um, the sh- the shooting when they shoot the girlfriend. That whole sequence with the fight. Um, when he pushes the guy in the water and runs away, is that that? Is really smart. <laughs> so funny. It's so fun. And it's smart. I'm like, oh, that's a smart way to do it because he knew he didn't have a weapon. Now it's where they can get away. Yeah, and it was like, I didn't, I didn't guess it. Like as an audience, I'm like, okay, what's going on? This is like, and and also I think of this character. I'm like, he's relying on this girl to do what now? But like, yeah, yeah it was like, okay, also, this works. And also the end when he he outsmarts everyone and he ends up. Um, we don't, the way, the tell that they give when he goes and gets the money at the end is funny because we don't really see who it is. So at the end, we see the face and he pulls it off the mask. And I was like, oh, him and Brian Dennehy went and got the money. And they're going to do whatever with his $15 million. Mm-hmm. I liked that. Because Brian Dennehy's character, we haven't talked a whole lot about that yet, but like, he's a cop. He's a detective. He's like that typical 80s detective who's like, wants justice and wants to get at stuff and is frustrated with like the bureaucracy of the department. You've got the like badass black captain or guy in charge. Who's going to eventually say, I want your gun and your badge. No, right. And I said That's- that I said, Oh, I want your gun and your badge. And he said, I want your shield and your peace yeah. like right afterwards. And I was like, Oh, okay. But, um, change it up a bit. Change it up. And then, but then like all of a sudden I'm like, wait, he's crying. Like what's happening? Like why? Like, it was weird, and then he leaves, and then everyone's laughing. So, like, they're like, you check your check your jacket, because he, like, takes the captain's shield um, or, or badge. But then it's like, funny, because it's like, okay, so now he's stolen police uh, equipment, and, and they're laughing. He's an officer at this point. <laughs> yeah, they're laughing, and they don't go after him. Like, no. there's no, like, find this, this rogue cop or whatever. Like, we don't see – I mean, in the sequel, they get to that a little bit, but, like yeah. – a little bit. But, like, yeah, they're, like, it's just, it's okay. Everyone <laughs> seems okay with the fact that he's doing this. Yes, he's impersonating the captain or the, the oh, guy in charge man. now, too. That's so. So, so that's funny. Um, what's not funny, or it's kind of gross, it grosses me out, is the relationship with the other cop, um, the woman who's helps him, like, look at the computer files, and he's, like, sitting just a bit yeah, too close. Her. And, like, yeah, I mean, and the sequel helps that like, out a little bit too. Like tipping herself out for information. Yes, she was like, "He, he, how'd you get it from him?" Oh, he, uh, I told him I might need somebody to go on vacation with me. Yeah, I need a plus one for the Bahamas. Yeah, weird. Like that was all in like eighties, like stuff. Didn't love that. Um, but oh, I forgot what I was going to say next. Anyway, uh, just yeah, Brian Dunhill's character is interesting. <laughs> And his uh, friend, oh, that was kind of funny, like, how we're introduced, where they're like, murder, 137, whatever, whatever. And he's like, no, hello. And the guy repeats it, and he's like, hi and bye. And, like, I liked, I liked the guy that worked with him. Um, I forget his name, but he was kind of a, a nice, positive character, I thought, on the side. Um, other favorite things, Tim? That's it, really. It's a fun movie. I mean, it was funny, so looking back to the beginning of the film, I always thought that, like, he does the murder and then goes to make the phone call. Like I completely forgot the scene in the car. Mm-hmm. I thought he wouldn't make the phone call and was like, I actually killed him. And then uh-huh. they're like, get you. And then they shoot him. I forgot that he had gotten the car and I forgot all of that scene. It's really interesting. Because, 
Yeah, it's, that's nice, right? To be able to kind of put it together. Um, it's interesting because, yeah, he just assumes that the guy is really dead and he has no evidence to think that that actually happened. Like he's, he, he made that up in his mind um, and it wasn't correct. Okay, so the other, the other, my secondary favorite thing about this is the pacemaker. Um, oh, and yeah. like the whole like, don't worry, this is low enough voltage, it won't hurt you. And then he uses that later. And I was like, this is clever because I had forgotten. I forgot about the pacemaker thing and it was brilliant. Just like, I don't even have to touch you. You're just, no, you're I, I, I know you're, yeah, I know how to kill you easy. You're the easy target of everybody here, um, which I thought was interesting. I don't know how realistic it was, but I thought it was interesting. Okay. Anything else you guys want to say about this movie? Oh, wait, we didn't talk about the actual special effects. Those are really freaking cool. So, like, all of this, like, blood under the fake skin or yeah. the fake skin that can't feel anything or the yeah. monster who, like, pops out at the door. <laughs> it's like his uh, butler. That was fun. Yeah. The, 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 when it pops out, I like that. Yeah. I was like, I would never date this guy because I would not be cool being in his apartment, like, with all of these. Monsters popping out everywhere. Monsters and then, like, all these dead women, like suffered oh that was a weird thing too denna he's like what kind of sick mind comes up with all of these things maybe he just wanted to try the real thing like trying to be kind of a profiler there that was and really I, bad logic to it me it was bad logic but it was also not that far off like it's true like that's a very dark mind to be thinking about all of this right. like i i agree like that is real? a dark mind so what kind of mind is it is it one that would want to try the real thing someday Ooh. Um. She said, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Kenan doesn't know what the sequel's about. Yeah. We'll enjoy it. It's fun. <laughs> okay. So that's FX. Uh, thank you, Tim, for suggesting it. And thank yeah, you, rest Brian. Rest in peace, Brian Dennehy. Yeah. Thank you, Brian Dennehy. Um, rest in peace. And yeah, hopefully, friends, you enjoyed it. And as much as we did, turns out, even though we did not enjoy it, like I did not like this no, movie. We enjoy. I feel like I enjoyed it and didn't like it, and you liked it but didn't enjoy it. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's what it was. Because it was just like, yeah, it was a whole it's lot. Fun. It's a fun one. It's a it nice. Was. It's doing the most. It's doing the most yeah, as a movie. Yeah, and and it's so interesting to him, like you explaining it, like as a kid. Here, here's why you would be interested in it. Oh, and it's like, yeah. you're right. These are all like this. These are the right ingredients for something amazing. Mm-hmm. Like that I understand now why that would be, but just watching it, I was just like, what, what are we doing? And, and to Kenneth's point, it felt like a lot of the shows I was watching, right? It felt like Fall Guy. It felt like A-Team. It felt like MacGyver. It felt like, you know, Knight Rider. It had that sort of like feel to it. Like it felt like a two-part episode for any of those shows that I was watching. So it fell right in that space for me where I would absolutely love this movie as a kid. Mm-hmm. And when it's really, it was really clever, the whole, like, we're just going to name the movie FX. Like, I hadn't, we didn't know what it was about. Um, and I honestly didn't figure it out until we see Roland driving in his truck and it says FX on the FX side. on the side, like, yeah. We're not going in today. And I was like, oh, FX. Oh, special effects. Okay. <laughs> there you okay. go. There we go. Okay. Um, let's time. It's time to rate it. Classic. FX. Is it a classic or are we past it? The classic. classic. 
No, we're past it, guys. This is a classic. No, no, no. You're past it. It was. I'm glad. I'm glad to have watched it. I don't think it holds up in terms of the classics, but I do think I'm glad it exists. Also, I'm glad um, you we forgot to rate an, another one of our movies recently. Uh, so can we go backwards and talk about Outsiders? We finished the episode, but we never rated Outsiders. It. Why couldn't you give me that name? So, <laughs> the Outsiders. Is it a classic or are we past it? Past it. I'm past it. I still think it's a classic. Um, Look the pacing is it for me. It's just paced. Yeah. Poorly. And that you watched the regular version, not even the extended cut <laughs> that we did. Jeez, yeah. I don't know how you got to that. There's definitely, for me, it's, there's enough nostalgia there that it, it stays classic. It stays gold. Ever gold. Just like Pony Boy stays gold, even though nothing can stay gold. Okay. Uh, friends, thanks for joining us this week. I don't know if we're going to be able to do Richard Simmons next week because we still haven't quite figured out how we're going to uh, put that episode together. So maybe it'll be next week. Otherwise, we'll have something else for you that'll be fun from the 80s. Um, and we hope that you join us next week. When? Kendon, what will we be? We'll be back. <laughs>